2,000 years ago, just outside the Eastern Gate, they led Jesus to Golgotha's Hill. Went there in my place, across his scarred and beaten back, a world of sin was tossed. Nailed into that rugged tree where the timbers crawl. Playing in a room where there's nobody really but me. 
Um, I pray that wherever you are, that you would take the time to sing these songs with me as we worship our Lord, who is altogether worthy of our worship, especially as we focus in on the Lord's death and next week as we also look towards his resurrection. We're going to sing Man of Sorrows and My Living Hope.
excited. Our Lord is still on the throne, and we can't wait to celebrate his resurrection even next Sunday. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Palm Sunday. This is a day that we appreciate. Um, uh, this time of year is when we appreciate it at our church, uh, Easter. It is a day that I would express this week. It, it, Palm Sunday starts the Passion Week. It's, uh, this week is I express a, a time where you can't steal my joy because we get to focus in on the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is our highlight for Easter Sunday. Of course, we can celebrate the resurrection each and every day. So today we want to draw our attention to Luke chapter 19. I don't want to spend a lot of this time by way of introduction. We just want to get to the Bible. We want to get to the Word this Passion Week. And it's interesting as we call it, it's titled the Passion Week. It was His Passion that gets highlighted. And you may learn something today that you did not know before or maybe something that you forgot about as it relates to Jesus Christ. But today, we get to celebrate the words and the works of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So Luke 19 is, uh, in verse 28, is where I will start reading in just a moment. Though the date is debatable a little bit, most Bible scholars agree that Jesus, his triumphal entry uh, into Jerusalem was around April 3rd, 30 A.D. So, um, what would be the relevance of that for us today in 2020? That's what we want to accomplish today. We're going to read about 20 verses of the triumphal entry, and then we're going to see how what we can learn, what we can see, watch, and learn, how we can pull these attributes, these lessons that the crowd, that the disciples, that everybody in attendance was watching and hearing the same words and works of Jesus Christ that we get to read about. You may think, well, they got to see it live. I'm only reading about it. The Bible tells us that the Word is alive, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. So I share that to let you know that this Bible applies to your life today. Luke 19, hopefully you've already turned there. And verse 28 is where I will read this narrative of the triumphal entry. Verse 28 says, When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethany and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosening it? Thus you, sh you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. Verse 32. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosening the colt, the owner of it said to them, why are you loosening the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw, threw their own clothes on the colt, and they uh, set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, 
the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Verse 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this day, in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your salvation. Then verse 45 through 48. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. Let's bow. Dear Lord, we ask today that you would bless the reading of your word, that you would make it come alive to us. It would be living. It would be everything that the word describes it to be. It would be our bread. It would be our, our daily bread. It would be what we need to sustain us, our essentials. We may be fine today in your word. Speak to us. Feed our souls. Give us hope and encouragement like only you can. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look at this a little bit. You may be a little nervous right now thinking, well, he read 20 verses. How long is he going to ramble on? My goal is not to ramble on today, but to share the this narrative, this real live event of the Passion Week. Today's Palm Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. I can give you a little heads up. Next Sunday, the message will pretty much be to those that don't like Christianity, don't like the name of Jesus, and don't like the death, the burial, the resurrection, all that. Uh, they want anything to do with it. All you have to do to discredit Christianity is prove the resurrection never happened. That's going to be the premise of next week. All you have to do is prove that the resurrection didn't happen. But today, this, this Passion Week, I want you to follow along in a timeline. What is the timeline? Well, today being Sunday, the first day of the week, I want you to consider tomorrow on Monday. Whatever you find yourself doing about what was Christ doing on the Passion Week on Monday. Maybe on Tuesday, what was Christ doing on Tuesday. Wednesday doesn't give us a whole lot, but we, we'll see a little bit of what happened on Wednesday. How does that translate? What, what's the purpose? Why are we doing this? So that Easter doesn't become a one-time-a-year celebration. It's an everyday-year celebration. This is the apex of Christ's secret ambition to come. His death, his burial, and his resurrection for you was his heart's desire. 
Well, some high points I want us to look at through the scripture. One lesson for us is that we see that we still have to follow the shepherd. We have to allow him to lead from the front. I don't know if you've ever played to follow the leader before, but to play follow the leader, you actually have to have a leader. You can't play follow the leader and be the leader uh, and follow where uh, the, direct, the, the direction may take you. We still have to allow the shepherd to lead from the front. In verse 28, it says, When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. A lot of times in the Bible, it's not the big words that would uh, we overlook. It's sometimes it's the little statements or the little words. Verse 28, he went on ahead. Jesus knew exactly where he was taking them. He knew exactly what would trans, uh, transpire. He knew exactly what would be said as well. Many times we get in a hurry and we want to jump ahead of God. I think we're all learning a lesson right now uh, in our personal lives, in our families, uh, in church. That we're learning a lesson on patience. We're learning a lesson on control. If you are a person like me who you like to be in control of things perhaps, all of a sudden you find yourself in this pandemic we see how little control we have of anything. Here's a great example where uh, Christ went on ahead of them as a child of God, as a believer. You never want to attempt to get ahead of him. The truth is you can't. You can't get ahead of him anyways. He's, he's all, uh, um, omnipotent, omniscient. He knows he, he has a way of having us get, uh, get in line where he would have us to be for his glory and of course, for our good. Well, the disciples, they would have prevented a lot of what Jesus said and a lot of what Jesus did. At this point, he's three years into his public ministry, and they would have done things perhaps a little differently. But when Christ chose those disciples, he knew exactly what he was getting. He knew all the personalities. He knew the Peters. He knew the quiet ones. He knew the loud ones. He knew the Andrews that would... Uh, always wanting to pull other people in. He was willing to work with a, uh, a mixed group, a ragamuffin group of, of, of men and make something beautiful out of their lives. Second thing we see is that being a, a disciple still requires obedience. Now you may be thinking, Pastor Scott, you've, you share two points that really haven't been all that profound. No, they're not that profound. But you're blessed when you obey. We still have to allow the shepherd to lead from the front. Let him lead. Is he leading your life? Are you following the mandates of his word? That's how he leads us. And two, being a disciple still requires obedience. You still have to follow. We're reminded that the gospel message isn't just a suggestion. It's not just an idea for something for us to ponder. It is a command to be obeyed. We're to obey the gospel message. Well, verse 32, as we sneak down in this narrative in Luke 19, we see that, so those who were sent went their way, and they found it just as he said. Now imagine that. Jesus telling them to do something, and then when they get there, an amazement that it actually happened the way he said it would. Well, he's our Savior. 
what you notice about these men is they didn't rethink or come up with a better plan. They just simply followed. We think of the disciples when they first uh, he, he first met uh, Peter and, and he said, drop your nets and just follow me. And they dropped their nets and followed him. We, we aren't naturally wired, I think, just to simply trust and obey. I don't think it's, it's, it's within our, our makeup as human beings to do that. Also, uh, we, we like to give in even to, to, to resistance. But I want you to think about this, that the disciples, they didn't make excuses here. They didn't pout and they didn't whine. Now, I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to give you some Old Testament examples here. The disciples, a follower of Jesus Christ. By the way, the word disciple and follower is used more in the New Testament than the word Christian. We're to follow, we're to be a learner of him. And this takes place each and every day. But it says that, or we know that the disciples didn't make excuses, they didn't pout. Men, we have a tendency to pout. Now we do it differently. We don't do it perhaps like a four-year-old, but we pout in our own way when we don't God doesn't respond or reply the way we think that he should. Whine. We get whiny and, and uh, when we don't get our way or sometimes we just doubt. The disciples didn't do that in this situation. And let's think about the Old Testament men, the patriarchs of the faith, if you will. Think about Noah. When God gave him that clear command and he knew it, he just did it. By the way, we're to follow by faith. You're not following and obeying the, the mandates of our Lord, Jesus Christ. He doesn't, he's not going to always show you the outcome. If, if we knew the outcome, where would the faith even come in? We know that the Bible tells us to live without faith. It is impossible to please him. Not you might could, but it is impossible is the word. Think about Noah. The command was given. He didn't come up with a better plan. He didn't make excuses. He didn't pout. He didn't whine. He didn't doubt. Think about Abraham. These were, were men that just simply followed. They did. We see the examples of women in the Bible as well. Ruth that just did. Mary just, just followed. And watch what the Lord has for you and your life and what's next. Gideon, David, Elijah... New Testament, think of Paul, uh, Peter. These are people that could have had a better way. Rethought what you're up to here. What's the, what's the end result? You just obey. Here's an example in verse 32 where they were given something very something so small to do. I want you to go in verse 32 and find this animal. Verse 33, but as they were loosening the colt, the owner of it said to them, why are you loosening the colt? They could have said, why a colt? Why not come in on a horse? Or They could have made up all kinds of other excuses, but they didn't. They just followed. You know what's amazing about that? By them being obedient, they were uh, fulfilling Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah and how he would be entered into Jerusalem. Number three, Jesus is still suffering from mistaken identity. Have you ever had that where somebody thought you were somebody else? in your life. That can be embarrassing uh, 
uh, I'm certain, uh, for certain. Uh, right now we have a problem with identity theft. People are stealing your identity. I was teasing uh, someone here who was talking about identity theft. I said, man, if they steal my identity and see my credit, they're going to give it right back. <laughs> but have you ever seen somebody that you thought was somebody else? Right? Jesus is still suffering from mistaken identity. Verse 37 and verse 38, it says, Then as he was now drawing near the descent on the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice in praising God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Verse 38, what were they saying? They were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The people were praising and shouting his kingship in verse 38. They were, but they were lying ultimately is what they were doing. They were lying. They were giving lip service. It's Palm Sunday today. Next Sunday's Easter. You know, there's such a thing as CEO Christians. You know what that is? Christmas and Easter only. The ones that show up just for Christmas and Easter. And if that's you today, if that's you next week, we're glad you're here. This isn't an indictment. But our, our walk with Him is so much more than twice a year. In fact, we're going to see it in a moment. It talks about He was meant to be praised. Uh, when we come together for corporate praise, twice a year just isn't enough if you have a genuine relationship with him. Well, they were mistaken. They wanted Jesus to fulfill their desires by overthrowing the government, verse 7, 37 and 38. They wanted a Jesus of their making, not the man, the words and the works of Jesus of the Bible. We have to be very careful of that today in 2020. We have in our mind how we think. He should work, or even better yet, fit in our theology. That's why we want to draw our conclusions about theology from the Bible. Let Jesus Christ be who he is. That's who we worship. Well, later that week, within this Passion Week, again, we're still on uh, Sunday here, uh, on this triumphal entry. We're still on Sunday, and later that week, they, uh, they discovered that they did have a mistaken in identity because later they were crying, crucify him, crucify him, just a handful of days later. A 180 degree turnaround. Number four, there were dead religious people then, just like there are today. Look in verse 39. It says, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. The Pharisees were spiritually dead because they were using the law as it was not designated to be or not designated to perform. Law doesn't save you. Grace through faith does. The Pharisees even added some new laws or added to the laws they, they liked being in control of God. Boy, it, is, it never works when we try to control God. We have to be careful in our prayer life, in our devotions. When we're, we think we're asking a request, but in our heart of hearts, we're really telling God what to do. We go to Him saying, Lord, You're our God. You do with this situation as You see best. But it's not going to be for lack of prayer. 
of seeking you, let that not be the reason that this thing fails. Jesus was taking that away. Why? He is the door. The spiritually dead wanted to do enough to just to be relevant. That's what they're saying in verse 39. The Pharisees, they, were, they, they weren't fair because they were making up these additional Old Testament rules and laws. And Jesus was taking that away from him. He had been for the last three years. He says, I am the door to God, not the Pharisees, not even your religion. Please be reminded of this. Religion. A lot of religion is man-made. You can be talked into a religion. Anything you can be talked into, somebody else can talk you out of. But a relationship. A relationship with Jesus Christ. How do we know that that's something different? Because the Bible tells us that it's the Holy Spirit who works in our heart, who convicts our heart, who gives us uh, a repentance, the gift of repentance, the gift of turning from ourselves is from God. That's not religion. That's not being talked into anything. That's the, the Holy Spirit opening your eyes of understanding. That's a whole nother realm because it's life and no longer religion. Well, these were dead religious people too. Uh, number five, think about this. Jesus is meant to be praised. Look in verse 40. It says, But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Jesus was meant to be praised. I would ask Pastor Rick to maybe put on the screen Psalm 48 and verse 1 as we consider that very point of how that he was meant to be praised. Psalm 48 verse 1 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in his holy mountain. Over and again the Bible is full of us giving our attention, our praise to him. You may think, well I'm not very good at praise. Well, I've seen you praise. You may think, well, I haven't even been to that church, or we haven't had church in several weeks. What do you mean you've seen me praise? I've seen you react to your favorite sport team. That's given praise. Or your favorite Hollywood superstar, or whatever your favorite hobby is. Oh, we praise all the time. It just may look different under different circumstances. But you know, there's something interesting about praise. It can be hard to express. Because if, we, if we're overexcited, we maybe lose our composure. But if we're under excitement, it leads to being stoic. Scripture does speak of inanimate nature praising God. Uh, you may think, well, that's probably symbolic, uh, perhaps. But Matthew 27, 51 talks about the rocks at the resurrection, or at the death and the resurrection. So I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Jesus is meant to be praised. We see in verse 41 that he is our weeping Savior. Verse 41, uh, in verses point six, now as he drew near, he saw the city and he, he cried over it. Why was he crying? Why was he weeping? He knew what he was about to do. But being rejected by those he loved and separated from the Father was the heartache. That was the heartache of him. 
Why did he have to do that? Now, next week, I'm sure we'll talk about this. We have a surprise coming in the middle of the week for you as well. But when Jesus went to the cross, it wasn't happenstance. It wasn't haphazardly. It was on purpose. It was on purpose. He knew what it was going to cost. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we can become the righteousness in him. God was going to have to turn his back. Sin was laid upon him. All sin. We, we can't draw a picture of what that would be like in our mind's eye. He was weeping. Why? Because he was going to be rejected by those that he loved and separated from his father. He was serious. He was purposeful. But the people were playing games. It's the Passion Week. It's Palm Sunday. They're wait he knew what was coming. On Sunday, it's, it's, it's the waving of the palm branches. The branch would fan out. In fact, they would use it for travelers that were coming in to say welcome is what that was about. Welcome, welcome. And just a handful of days later, they were going to be saying the exact opposite of crucify, crucify. Kill him is what they were saying. And he knew that was coming. He was serious. But they were playing games. Three times Jesus cried over Jerusalem. Three times it is recorded. Think of the, the highlights of Israel, the prophecies fulfilled, the religious headquarters. Yet this compassion of tears shows that they did not understand who he was and what was about to take place. The seventh thing we see is that blinded eyes are, aren't bound by time. Look in verse 42, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this day, the things that may make your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. It's sad that so many people are blinded to the truth. It's still true today. At one point in time, I was blinded to the truth. You may think, well, what makes you so special that you have the truth now? When did you become so smart? That's just it. I'm not that smart. I would still be rejecting God had he not done a work in my heart. He's the one who didn't make me smarter. He convicted my soul. He convicted my spirit to where I saw the truth of the gospel message. The A, the B, and the C. The simple message that was hard for me to embrace. It was hard for me to say no to my sin and say yes to him. It was hard. Some people say, well, it's easy for me. Maybe I would really ask you to question and, and, and ver uh, review your, your repentance, but I was blinded. I was blinded. For a length of time, I was blinded. The Bible says that Satan blinds the eyes. He blinds our eyes to where we're, where we're a blind man in a dark room with no light looking for a room that has, looking for a door that has no room, a room that has no doors. That's what we're like, spiritually speaking, apart from Christ. It's heartbreaking. It doesn't make the believer, the genuine believer, better, haughty, arrogant. It should make us humble. To him, to bestow that grace upon us, upon me, the way that he has. And I want to share it if we can. 
with everybody. You would think with all the, all the teaching, all the miracles, all the love, all the truth that Jesus gave out for those three years, the things that they saw with their eyes and witnessed, what would you have done seeing and believing? But the Bible says it is a blessed person is the one who believes and hasn't seen, is what he tells us also in the gospel as well. Number eight, impending judgment and destruction uh, had been prophesied. Verse 43 and 44, For the days will come upon you when your enemy will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. In a couple of these verses, there's just two simple points. Uh, there's a lot we could unpack there. But consider this, that that's exactly what happened in 70 A.D. to Jerusalem some 40 years later after he spoke these words. His prophecies are always true. How many here know that the book of Revelation is true as well? It's very true. Point number nine. What made Jesus mad then still makes him mad today. Now, I'll use the word mad. The proper uh, definition here is, uh, would be righteous indignation. But what he does is he goes into the temple. And remember, he just became the king of the kings. They're, 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 the, blessed is, is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and he has his chance. He has the platform now. All this time, the disciples are saying, now is the time. Let them know who you are. And what would Jesus say? Now is not the time. My time has not yet come. The time has now come. This is the week. He can use pragmatic skills here and he can gain a following. But we see him always being truthful and doing the opposite. He goes into the temple, we see. In verse 45 and 46, he went to the temple and he began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Righteous indignation. This is the second time that he did this. He was angry, yet he did not sin. And he's quoting Isaiah 56 and verse 7. Listen, the same is true for a Cross Point Baptist Church. You're going to hear Pastor Roger talk about the last couple of weeks. We've been working hard to have our online giving set up. We, have, we haven't had that to this point. Um, there's reasons for that, but a Cross Point Baptist Church is to be a pillar of truth, not a tower of money. Money doesn't motivate us. We're to be a pillar of truth. Consider this. He is still the perfect Savior, verse 47 and 48, as I draw a conclusion here. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything, for all the people were very tentative to hear him. He's still the perfect Savior after all this time. He's as close and as real today as he's ever been. You have eyes to see and ears to hear. Are you humble enough to receive? The name Jesus can strike peace, calmness, or it can strike discord, anger, and fear in people. The leaders wanted to destroy him, and Jesus went into their backyard with his message of salvation. 
See, the other aspect about Jesus, the Jesus we can't ignore, is that he was a, uh, a manly man. He was very, uh, when he was speaking the truth, he spoke it firmly, but in love. He drove these people out. Drove even the, 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 the intention of what they were doing was sinful. It wasn't, uh, I'm, I'm mad today. There was a purpose. There was a judgment that was happening. We forget this about Jesus. In a day when churches like to have Jesus all about love, all about love, he's the perfect balance because with love also will come judgment. He judges. He judges. Read Revelation. He will judge. Well, the opposite happens in verse 48. Usually the people were afraid of the leaders. This time, the leaders were afraid of the people. And that's the power of truth. Well, Palm Sunday today. I want you to think about this timeline, if you will, as you move to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I'm going to have uh, Brad in a little bit come up and, and tell you about Thursday a little bit. Sunday was a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We just covered it. Uh, every one of the four Gospels covered the triumphal entry. This is just the Luke's, part of Luke's, how he, how he came in this week. So today I want you thinking about this as this day continues on. Tomorrow, you may want to write this down. I don't have to pause. You can hit pause right where you are. Is when he cleansed the temple in Jerusalem that we just covered a little bit here. That's what would have happened on Monday. He cleansed the temple. On Tuesday, Jesus is challenged and he foretells the judgment and Mary anointing. That would have happened on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, there's not a lot of information on Wednesday. The only thing we really see is Judas, uh, he bargains with the leaders to betray Jesus Christ. In this bird's eye view of the Passion Week, we are reminded of the relevance of these events and the application. That's our Savior. That's why it's important. You may think, well, I'm not a member of a church. I don't know how this works. Are you a believer? Because anytime we can get together and talk about Jesus Christ, that's our Savior. We're going to guard who Jesus is, the Jesus of the Bible. We're going to get excited and be in awe of him. You can't be in awe of him if you don't know who he is. The application is we get to know him today. We get to know more of his heart and his mind. We must let him lead. We must be obedient to him. We must know who he is. We must be aware that there are spiritually dead people all around us, the walking dead. Jesus is meant to be praised. We know that he mourned over his people. We know that people were blinded, including Christians. The gospel message also isn't a one-time event. It's to be lived out. Not that you have to live it out, but that you get to live it out. He gives you, he empowers you to live a life that is well-pleasing to him. And it's a win-win. There's no lose. And Jesus deals with everything, and is still the perfect Savior. By way of conclusion, this morning I want to close us in a word of prayer, but I realized over the last, this is our third week now of recording, that 
we aren't able to have a time for you to come and pray. I've even noticed we haven't prayed that much, and it's kind of peculiar to pray over like this. But I would, my wife and I have started something, and we hope to see you soon. And that is, we've been driving to driveways and just praying for people at their houses. We're praying for you. But your application is this. Do you need one of your leaders? Do you need a pastor? Do you need a LifePoint Bible study group leader that you can lean on? You have access to them. You can phone conversation. You can do any means that you guys can connect with. But we're here for you. Why? Because we want you to take that next step of faith. We want you to grow in that walk. We want you to understand who he is and let him live out in you. And we offer Jesus Christ to you today. So next week when we come and meet, it's all about celebration. It's all about the celebration of the resurrection. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, thank you for loving us today and being our God. We want to give our focused attention to you, Jesus Christ. The simple name of Jesus. It really does cause peace and grace and comfort in some it really does cause other people to get angry Lord I don't know why but we want to pray for us here that have met at this time frame or perhaps somebody's even watching this later in the week or who knows where they are in time and they're watching this Lord the prayer goes the same you transcend time you transcend all of our hangups do your work, your will, your way, and call your own to yourself. May we have been blessed for studying your word this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Scott. Well, this is our normal time for our offering, so I want to talk to you today about our online giving. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. Those of you that have been mailing in your checks and, and uh, making sure that offering was, has been coming into the church, we appreciate that. And it takes faithful people like you to make sure that our church uh, continues on so that we can minister the gospel to the people around us and to our church members. So as you probably are aware, we, we uh, were able to connect our online giving to our webpage, and that's now in place. And on our webpage is a giving link. So if you are on our home page, you'll see giving next to who we are and all those uh, headings across the top of the page. So click on that giving link and it will uh, connect you to the uh, giving tool and it will walk you right through how to set up your account. You'll need a profile and then you'll be able to use that as you give either by a uh, online check or if you use a debit or credit card. The program offers convenience uh, for you in a safe and secure way, our online giving program. Uh, you can make automatic contributions for regular tithes and offerings, missions, building funds, just like what would be on our, our envelopes. Or you can make special uh, offering contributions like children's ministry, teens ministry, Barnabas fund, or any other uh, donation that you would like to make and there'll be a place for you to designate uh, what that is for so the, so the online giving allows you to log in at any time and give and contribute 
uh, to our church and it'll go directly into our bank account just like your check would. Uh, it's, a, uh, it's set up so that you can set up a plan for regular giving. You can give uh, one time and have it set up that it will reoccur each week or once a month or you can do a one-time uh, plan. That's what I choose. I do a once, uh, one time and I'll go back in. It remembers who I am by my profile and then I can just uh, use, do another one-time gift and I can choose uh, multiple things and it'll categorize all those different offering um, uh, contributions that you designate. I've already heard from several people that have already put that into practice and used it and they've, they've uh, indicated that it was very easy to log in and I've done it myself. It just seemed very easy to, to access, add your account information, and we'll ask you for a credit or debit card, all that just like any other online transaction would be. So it works very well, very easy. It's safe and secure for your account. If you prefer mailing your, your giving in, as, as many of you do, that's still fine. Absolutely um, no problem with that. So you can mail that in to the church, uh, and uh, the pastor or someone will be checking the mailbox every day, and we'll, we'll secure that in, in our uh, uh, safe place and then get it to the bank. So be, be assured that however you give, it's appreciated and we're thankful for your faithfulness and what you do uh, here to support Cross Point Baptist Church and to see the work of our Lord Jesus Christ go forward. Thank you. Cross Point Baptist Church, we want to encourage you to come back to our website on Thursday evening. Normally we would participate in uh, partaking of the Lord's Supper for the evening of Palm Sunday since we're not able to do that publicly. Uh, we want to encourage you and invite you to come back to our website on Thursday evening at 7 o'clock. We'll have another video presentation where we'll be talking about the Lord's Supper, why it's so special for us, and how we can still gather together uh, virtually to talk about and appreciate the Lord's Supper. Thank you. Where the timbers flow